Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, hello. Welcome to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong, and you are listening to the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, Rod Melanson. Generations of American kids have whiled away countless hours of high school study hall periods longing to get out of their hometowns. Some of them never do, instead getting their names inscribed on local bar stools and sending their children to the same teachers in the same halls where they once dreamed of a bigger life. But some of them do get out, making their way to some city on a coast where they feel they have a better shot at getting traction on their dreams. And sometimes, once they get the kind of perspective that can only be gleaned by a change of scenery, they look back on their hometown with a new set of eyes. Rod Melanson grew up in the rural bayous of southern Louisiana in an incorporated town too small for a school. He did the things that boys do, playing sports, chasing girls, and acting in school plays, and it was the latter of these pursuits that sent him west. He had a little success with his acting, but it was a cathartic moment back in Louisiana that took place when he watched the emotional reaction his grandfather had to a gift of a Hank Williams album that drew Malasson to songwriting. He took that transformative experience back to Los Angeles and started populating his songs with characters and artifacts from his hometown. His new album, Parish Lines, plays like Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska on steroids. The cars and the girls are here, as are the tragedy, comedy, and braggadocio of a young man pushing hard on the seams of his small town. But there is also something else a reverence for his formative surroundings that he might have been blind to had he never left. Striking that balance is hard, and Melanson manages to pull it off, weaving enough detail and intimacy into his songs to give them gravitas, but also providing enough universality so that listeners everywhere are taken back to their own never-ending hours cooped up in study halls. Melanson is an astute observer for being in his mid-twenties, and if he can keep growing as a writer, there are a lot more really great songs ahead. Welcome to Independence Day, Rod Melanson. Pretty close? Pretty close, actually, yeah. All right, man. Well, pretty I, good. I practiced about a thousand times. <laughs> I think you've got the most challenging name of anybody I've had on the show. Yeah, that's why I just, most for the most part, just keep it to Melancon out here, but I yeah. appreciate yeah. the effort, that's for sure. Well, kudos to you, man, for keeping it. Like, you don't have to go through that whole John Mellencamp thing. No, no Rod Sterling. Rod Sterling, Melancon, <laughs> you know. Uh, but no, kudos to you. And you're Thanks. like you're relatively young. You're a singer songwriter, originally from very uh, South Louisiana. Yeah. Um, and that's something. That's the first thing I want to talk about with you is that your music has a very, very strong sense of place. Uh, you reference a lot of, um, you know, there's 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 girl songs. Yeah. There's traveling songs. There's like car songs. Um, you know, I, I counted this up. Four songs are places. Two are girls on your record. And we're talking about your your newest record. Yeah. Parish Lines, which comes out in about a week and a half. Yeah. And uh, there's this strong sense of place, you know, and that, that leads me to believe that, you know, you're, you're tied to your home, you know, very, very strongly. Like, tell me, tell me what it's like where you grew up. Well, growing up, I really didn't think it was a unique place. I, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't really realize how unique it was until I moved out here. Okay. Because when I moved out here, I really started getting into like Southern Gothic literature and things like that. And then I realized because these things that I was reading, it all kind of took place in the kind of area I grew up in. Okay. My family, the Malasans, they, uh, there's a lot of crazy stories on my dad's side that I used to hear growing up. And 
The town I grew up in had one red light, and it was kind of like every other small town, like the last picture show, if you've ever seen that movie or read that book. One red light. I graduated in a class of, I think, maybe 100 kids. I grew up outside of that town. I think it was 15 minutes outside of town on a farming community called Wright. And uh, when you drive into Wright on the Wright smell, it says, if you lived in Wright, you'd be home now. My uncle put that sign up when I think he was about 17 in the Boy Scouts. But, like I said, it wasn't until I moved out here that I really realized how unique, beautiful, and strange the place I grew up was. Yeah. You know, it's... I really wouldn't have it any other way. I'm really proud of the way I grew up. You know, I think yeah. it really shaped the artist that I am, the person that I am, the way I write, the way I think. Yeah. It's a it's a really great place I feel for my characters to live in, for my stories to take place in. Yeah. I just I don't know, the older I get, the more appreciative I am of my upbringing. Sometimes perspective, it can only be gained by getting out of an area. When you're in an area and you're up to your eyeballs in something, you're immersed in it and you can't see the forest for the trees. No, that's you good. Know, you, you know, I grew up, you know, in suburban Chicago in the cornfields and thinking about that. Like what, you know, what is, what's unique about this place? It's the same stuff I've seen every day for my entire life. Yeah. But then when you get away and you think about it, you know, especially if you're a romantic songwriter type, you find those stories and you can really, you look back at it from afar and there things start jumping out at you, you know, little, little tiny details. And then you go back and even the best part was when you, when you've lived away and you go back, now you're noticing different things than you didn't notice before, that you didn't notice before. Yeah. And all these things can be inspiration and you've done great things with this man. This record's really, really good. Thanks. Very, very solid. It's called Parish Lines. It'll, it's available on CD for now, maybe vinyl later, you said? Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Probably a couple months final. At least I'm hoping that. And uh, so, I mean, you did this out here in Los Angeles. Yeah. How long ago did you start this record? We started, I believe, the first day we recorded was uh, late June, I believe. Okay. When we did the rough, the rough mixes and everything. So not that terribly long ago. No. So all in all, you know, but it's been done for a little bit, right? It's been done since November. Okay. Yeah, because that's the thing. People wonder about that who aren't in the music business. Like they, you, you do a record, and sometimes a band will sit on that record yeah. for two months, three months, four months, sometimes even longer. Uh, why plan to have it out in, in early March? March 1st is the release date, or 4th, actually, is the release yeah. date. Well, they wanted to give it time because we have the publicity campaign this time. It's the first time I've put out a record that has a campaign behind it. So they said probably about three months is needed. Okay. You know, to really get it circulating. It's a whole new world to me, man. I'm just used to throwing it up. <laughs> yeah. It's very, very, you know, every record is different. You know, you've done a couple records. You did a full-time, or excuse me, a full-time. You did a full record before, and then you had an EP come out as well. I think that was in 2013, so just yeah, an EP last just year. last year. So, you know, it's not like this is your first time out. Um, but every record's different. It kind of takes on a life of its own. You know, did this record, you know, when I think of this record, uh, I told the producer, Brian Whelan, our, our common friend, that it sounded like uh, Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska on steroids. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's very evocative of place. It's got a lot of small town stories, people who are going somewhere, people who are maybe desperate in some way or another. Yeah. But there's the girl, the girl songs and the car songs. I mean, did you hit the mark for based on what you were aiming for? I, I, feel, I feel like I did. I'm really proud of it. Yeah. You know, I feel like this is a record like years and years from now I'll look back and be really proud of. Yeah. 
it's what's well, funny because you know every artist you look back at every artist and every artist says that about every record mm-hmm. and not every record winds up being no that's like true. their thing but like they're they're always the, the new thing is what they're working on because that's what we do as artists you know yeah. we have to keep moving forward but i think uh i think you're right man i mean i think i think a lot of people are going to really really dig this record i highly encourage people to pick it up oh. uh rod melanson that's it, And that's man. spelled M-E-L-A-N-C-O-N. That's Cajun, is it not? Yep, it's Cajun. Because you are from, essentially, just South Louisiana, right along the border. Yeah, I, I'm or really... the border, I'm sorry. The, uh, the Yeah, coast. the bottom of the state. Yeah. yeah, very there. Really close to Avery Island. Yeah. Which is where uh, Tabasco yep. is made. Uh, so tell me, you know, in this, in this household in South Louisiana, a small town 15 miles outside of where you went to school, or 15 mm-hmm. minutes... Um, it was, did you come from a musical family? Was there music played around the house? Well, not? my mom was a theater teacher, so basically ever since I was a little kid, it was all about theater. And uh, I loved that growing up. My mom would put me in her plays when I was about the third grade. And um, that was pretty much my upbringing. I mean, I did everything else, played baseball. My dad coached my baseball teams, that whole thing. But the thing I loved the most was plays. And my mom was like, pretty prestigious teacher i mean she won teacher of the year teacher of this like teacher of the year in louisiana she's really a great 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 theater coach so growing up that was kind of my main focus i mean that's what i moved out here for okay i never for acting yeah i never really? tried to write songs or anything until i was 19 i didn't get a guitar till i was 19 i didn't really start trying to write till i was 20 so what was it that bit you, you think? Was it, did you hear another song or another artist that really got into you? Or like what made you like think that, okay, you know, I'm not just listening to music anymore. Now I need to create my own. Well, I moved down here. I didn't really know anyone. I was in an acting class with about three folks, and those were kind of my only friends out here. Spent a lot of time alone. So that's when I started teaching myself how to play guitar. And the thing that I really kind of got into it was Hank Williams because I had a I started watching the last picture show the movie I had read the book as a teenager but I never watched the movie and his he's pretty much the entire soundtrack and so I really got into Hank Williams then I thought well maybe I should start trying to learn his songs then I learned how simple his songs were to play after a while and after learning about three or four chords was when I really started trying to write songs because I remember I got my uh, papa who's my grandpa on my Cajun side, I got him a Hank Williams CD for Christmas. And I remember him listening to it, and I could see how it affected him. I mean, he was literally weeping for the songs about Mama and all that, just sitting by himself listening to it. And I remember that was a really profound moment to me where I was like, wow, you know, that's what songs are capable of. And yeah. I had just really started getting into Hank Williams. So. That was kind of the year after that was really when I started trying to write songs. You know, I took that as my big sign, I guess, <laughs> Yeah, that I should start trying. And kudos to you, man, for jumping right in with writing, you know, mm-hmm. because some people, you know, some people just don't write. I mean, I know a lot of players who are players. Mm-hmm. Uh, writing isn't really a concern of theirs. They're not, you know, maybe not even singers. They're instrumentalists. Um, but I think, you know, there's a certain type of musician who as soon, there's something, there's some kind of fire or some kind of thing burning in their soul. As soon as they can put, you know, have enough chords to make a song and you really need three, yeah, uh, they start putting songs together. Uh, so you've been writing pretty good while now. 
you know, you've got, you know, like I said, you've got the new record, you've got another record that came out. The, the first one was called My Family Name 2012, yeah. which is not that terribly long ago. Mad Talkin' Man EP from just last year, we referenced that. And the new one, Parish Lines, it's coming out on March the 4th. But people can pick it up at the show early, right? Oh, yeah. Let's jump in right with this plug, because you're doing a, a CD release party or a record release party at The Satellite uh, with some other bands. Tell me about that. Yeah, March 1st at The Satellite. Um, the Far West, it's also their release show, too. Okay. And Calico, the band... Is going to be starting off the show at 9. Well, actually, they play at 11, and then the Walcotts play at 9. Okay. There's going to be a DJ there. 8 to 9, you can actually get in free. Oh, nice. You know, and uh, if you if you um, reply yes on the Facebook invite, it's only 6 bucks. It's 10 bucks otherwise. That's a value, man. Yeah. There's a lot of free shows, but that's a lot of good bands. I mean, these are a lot of bands, yourself included, that are making some waves in town, like the next generation coming up. So, and it's like a double wedding. I'm really two record releases in one night. Yeah, nice work. So, let's listen to a track from this record, man. It sounds really, really good. The thing track we've play uh, we've picked to play first is "Different Man." Tell me just a little bit about this tune before we play it. This was a song I wrote about. uh, I started about three years ago. Stumbled upon it in my journal during the summer, and was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Then I. Finished it off. It's basically about coming home. I knew a lot of boys growing up that went off to fight in the Middle East. And, you know, you see them come back, and it's a very tragic thing to see because your friend that left isn't exactly the person that comes back. Yeah. They're still in there, but, you know. Different. Yeah. <laughs> and that was kind of definitely the inspiration for this song. Yeah, there's a lot of that going around, man. Lots of, lots of artists. And it's like they're, uh, we've got our, you know, the younger generation has their own Vietnam now. Exactly. So uh, this is Rod Melanson. His new record is called Parish Lines. The song is Different Man. My name is Joe Armstrong. Let's listen to this on Independence Day. Switch. You said I hear 
man from Rod Melanson. He's an artist. He's based in Los Angeles now, but he's from, uh, it's not really the bayou where you're from, is it? It's just kind of South Louisiana, or is it it's a bayou? It is the bayou. It is Pure the straight up bayou. bayou. Yeah. yeah. So do you uh, do you have other languages? Do you speak Cajun at uh, all? My, my papa, I mean, that guy is kind of the last of a generation. I mean, he, if you're not from there, you won't be able to understand anything he's saying, and he's speaking English. Yeah. But he is very fluent in Cajun French, which isn't necessarily the French that everyone knows. It's kind of French with an accent. Yeah, man, it's it's the bayou. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people out here don't realize where I grew up because you know I got pomade in my hair and I keep myself well kept. But <laughs> yeah, it's the bottom of the boot, man. It's swamps. It's yeah, crawfish fip, crawfish ponds. My dad had a crawfish yeah. crawfish pond growing up. So what do you miss about it living in LA? All those things I just mentioned, I, I, I took it all for granted, I feel, but I feel like a lot of folks do that. You know, they're like, I want to leave as soon as I can. And now, actually, almost every dream I have when I sleep takes place in Louisiana. I'm back with my friends. Yeah. You know, what's, maybe I'm curious to find when you, when you get older what this will be like, but I've noticed a lot of people, the people that said the most that they were going to get out are the ones who are still there and never left. Yeah, and it's the people you know who you thought would have stayed just went off, and you know I never dreamed in a million years I'd have the experiences that I've had in my life. Been around the world a couple times, lived in different time zones. Um, you know, I never thought about those things at the time, but this is what it became. Yeah. You know? So you know, I, I keep saying this, but the record's really good. It's really, really solid. Thanks. Um, you know, it's got this kind of 
Bruce Springsteen, Nebraska-esque kind of like desperation, but it's amped up, you yeah. know? And part of that is your producer, Brian Whelan, who plays with Dwight Yoakam's band. How did you meet Brian, first and foremost? I met Brian, I think it was two years ago. Jolie Richmond said that we should try to play together. I was doing a show at the, where was it? The uh, Cinema Bar. And she said I should meet up with Brian and maybe you could play Steel for me, just like a duet or something. And I ended up meeting him at the Echo. And we were kind of like, we'd have small talk every now and then. And over the course of two years, we talked more and more and got closer. And then whenever it came time for me to start looking for a producer for my new record, I thought, well, you know, Brian would be a good choice. I mean, his knowledge of music is crazy. He's one of the most talented musicians I know. He could play anything. He has a great ear. We share the same love for the same kind of music. So that was kind of how that came to fruitation. And because this is his first producer credit, I mean, did it take any goading to get him to actually step into that role, or was he at a point where he was ready to do that? I think he had produced one thing before this, but I don't remember what band it was or what it was, and I think it might have been a while back. But I remember I talked to him about it, and as soon as I mentioned it, he said he he would love to. Okay. And uh, whenever I first brought that up, we didn't have any funding or anything for the record. So basically, we were just getting together, hoping that it would somehow happen. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like it happened pretty organically, because yeah. those of us, or those of you who aren't in Los Angeles, there's kind of a rich, kind of underground, I don't know what you'd even call it, like uh, roots music scene here. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the big stuff. LA's kind of known for the Hollywood, the Sunset Strip kind of glammy metal, harder rock bands. But, you know, Graham Parsons, you know, was based here. You know, there's the Eagles. They all live here. I mean, these are old school people. Um, but there's all, you know, uh, Randy Weeks, Tony Gilkison. There's a lot of people based in Los Angeles. And Bakersfield's not that far away either. Yeah. Um, so there's a really, really rich tradition of that. You know, why? Here's another question. You mentioned Nashville when we were setting things up here. You, so you did some records. One of your records you did in Nashville. Yeah, I recorded a couple songs from the EP in Nashville. Okay, so then when it came time to leave your uh, your hometown in Louisiana, why did you pick LA as opposed to Nashville? Nashville seemed would have been like a logical choice, a lot closer to your home, same time zone. You know, you play kind of rootsy type music. Why did you pick LA over Nashville? Well, I picked LA because I was I came out here for acting. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about music or anything. So that was the that was. Originally, why I moved out here. Okay, yeah, forgive me. That's you had said that before. Oh, okay. no, so it had not. really nothing to do with music. You just came straight up for acting. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And then you started when you were here. Um, so what was the first thing you know? You since you came here for acting, what was the very first thing you did when you got here? The first thing I did was I enrolled in these acting classes, met some good folks, got a manager, all that stuff. I got a Taff Hartley, which is when you get a. You get put into a SAG movie without being SAG yet. So a lot of great stuff happened. I, I did a short film. I did a, my first feature film out about seven lines in. It was a terrible movie, but, you know. Are you at liberty to say what it is? I think it was it was called Downstream. I think on IMDb it's like a three out of ten, which is one of the lowest. Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of had a falling out with my manager, and I started feeling really you know, over everything with the acting, because I came out here, I was really into theater and 
when I was a teenager living in Louisiana, I was all about like method and the serious acting way. And when you come out here, those things don't matter really. Yeah, when those are more New York things, I think. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter out here when you're like auditioning for a Bennigan's commercial. Yeah. I've done all those things, man. And it was, it really, you know, makes you feel down and out. It's not yeah. a very fun process. It's a, it's a working town and you know, dreams can happen here, but there's a lot of things that people get chewed up and spit out, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this is not just, you know, this is music and acting as, you know, together. Um, it's a lot of rejection. Mm-hmm. You know, you have really, and a lot of the people who, who are pursuing these types of jobs are the people who can't handle rejection very well because it's kind of in our nature to want approval, you know. When um, I'm glad, so are you still acting at all? Oh, no, I don't. I did a, I did a play last year. Okay. That was fun with my buddies who are playwrights. And Very different experience than doing a Bennigan's commercial. Or oh, it's a amazing. I, I love I love theater. I love plays. I mean, I grew up doing that stuff. That's actually a big influence on my songwriting is Sam Shepard, who's one of my favorite playwrights and writers, you know. Mm-hmm. I get. I mean, more than even songwriters and songs, I'm inspired more by plays and films and books and, yeah. you know... That's kind of what I turn to for my inspiration as far as songwriting goes and writing in general. Yeah, and it's reflected in your songwriting. Um, you know, we're writing the style that's in the record. I mean, it's it's simple. I don't want to say simple bad, but it's a relatively simple idiom. Oh, for sure. But, uh, and that's what makes writers like John Prine, John Hyatt, Towns Van Zant so great, is that they're saying complex things in a simple way. And, you know, you're touching on that with this record as well. So man, it sounds good. Keep. Let's, how about a, now? How about a t- time for a tune? What's going to be the first tune you're going to play? Um, I think I'm going to start off with South Louisiana. All right. So the artist tonight here on Independence Day, Rod Melanson. Pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> Rod Melanson. Uh, you can learn about him at Facebook.com/slash Rod Melanson. M E L A N C O N. You can follow him on Twitter at Rod Melanson. And the best place to find him right now is MedinaRiverRecords.com, and that's the record label that's putting out his record, and we'll also be hosting that show at the Satellite on March the 1st. I hope everybody comes out for that. So let's hear this, Rod. I was born in South Louisiana Grew up working for my old man in the fields of crawfish and rice Work all day and we drink all night And sometimes we drive out to town People be staring all around They say my family we ain't no good Send them all to hell boy if I could it ain't right what they do It ain't right what they say Call me trash, I don't know what I am. I was born in South Louisiana I met Jenny when she was 17 She was the sweetest thing I'd ever seen We'd spend the night in the back of my truck And one night I heard them boys drive up It ain't right what they do 
It ain't right what they say Call me trash, I know what I I was born in South Louisiana One night I saw headlights Them boys came back, they was looking for a fight But I was ready, my gun in my hand and why I did it, I'll never understand He said, boy, better put that gun down And all through the night was a crackle sound Two shots fired and there he fell And they locked me up in the parish jail Would ain't right what they do it ain't right what they say Call me trash, I know what I I was born in South Louisiana Call me trash, I know what I I was born in South Louisiana my name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. Every week I bring you artists from around Los Angeles and around the world. Tonight's act, I'm very, very happy to have him on the show. His name is Rod Melanson. I've been courting him for quite a long time, and I'm happy we finally found a date to get in the same room and do this thing here, man. Get you to do some songs. And that was a great song, man. Thanks. A great homage to your hometown, to the area where you're from. Um, you know, like I said, I keep coming back to this like Springsteen, Nebraska yeah. Kind of thing. Well, I love that record. Uh, and you know, and you know, but Brian Whelan, uh, the producer, kind of amped it up a little bit. Um, you know, there's the moment. I think my favorite moment uh, is something you don't hear a whole lot on modern records because we're in an era where everything is super polished in terms of popular music. But there's uh, the mic distorts on the song uh, "Mad Talking Man" <laughs> on the record, and one of the little breakdowns where the band drops out and you sing a line, and you guys left it in. You know, either that or you actually physically went back and added distortion to it to make it sound cool. But I get the impression it's the former, not the latter. Yeah. Uh, and that's cool. Like leaving that kind of rawness on there is cool. When you guys were tracking this, did you, was this a kind of situation where you did a lot of stuff live in a room and then added things or was it pieced together? Like how, what was the working process with you and Brian? We did a lot of stuff live. Of course we went in there later and added a couple things. But for the most part, especially Mad Talking Man, that's pretty much a live performance. Uh -huh. That's pretty much the live band. We didn't really add anything on that. That's one of the most live songs on the album, okay. I'd say. Yeah. Because that's the thing. You catch a vibe by doing that that you yeah. don't get any other way. You know, and the Grammys were just a few weeks ago. And listening to what's popular now, I mean, I, I feel very alienated, you know, as a listener and as an artist from what's popular yeah, it makes me uncomfortable. It's really awkward to watch those things, right? Yeah. I just feel very, very separate. And you know, and you don't want to feel, we're all musicians. You want to feel like you're all part of the same community. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, since the economy collapsed, since the industry kind of collapsed out from underneath us, it seems like the gap has grown even bigger Yeah, between the musical haves and have-nots. Yeah. And there's a lot of us have-nots out there. You know, <laughs> yeah. people who are uh, self-financing, people who are... You know, they're, you know, people who had record labels, you know, people we've had on this show, Freddie Johnston, Tim Easton, guys who had record label deals. You know, Tim Easton had the guys from Wilco playing one of his records. Freddie yeah. Johnston's record was produced by Butch Vig. Yeah. And now they're kind of solo and you can literally just email them. 
Yeah. You know, the world has changed quite a bit. Yeah, it has. How did, uh, how did your relationship start with uh, Medina River Records? Like, how, how did you, because they financed the project? Yeah. Okay, how did, how did that come about? Well, my buddy Ben, his, um, one of his family members, he used to run a label in Texas that had the McKay brothers, which is Noel McKay, who's Ben's cousins. And he approached Ben about wanting to start something up again. And so we were, Brian and I had already started meeting up and Ben was aware of it because Ben plays bass for me. We're talking about Ben Riddell here. Yeah, Ben Riddell. He's an artist we've had on the show here on Independence Day. He plays in a bunch of bands, works in a studio. And Matt Farber messaged me one night like, hey man, I think I have a way to finance the record. And I was like, oh, okay. I, did, I didn't really know what it was. I didn't you were really... imagining like driving around to liquor stores with a stocking cap yeah, and a, I was, a sawed-off shotgun. Exactly. I, w- I wasn't putting too much importance into it. I was kind of over a lot at that point. So I, he brings me, I go, I go meet him at his place, and he tells me about this whole situation. And it was just like so perfect, perfect timing. Brian and I didn't know how we were going to get money for the record. We had already started meeting. We came up with a budget. And then all of a sudden this happened and it was absolutely perfect because we were able to start fast. Right. And it's really because of this guy, Peter Bowman, who's kind of the head of the label. He's from Texas and he really got this thing going, man. And of course, Ben, the fact that they even wanted to have me be the, you know, the artist on the thing that they were going to invest in. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. You know, it kept me here. I mean, I was thinking, before this whole thing happened, I was getting ready to move Kate to the south, and I was going to get a job working offshore on an oil rig. That's what my whole family does. You make a decent amount of money, you know, and that was actually the plan before this whole Medina River Records thing came out. I hadn't really told anyone that at the time. I was just kind of going to leave. Yeah. So, I mean, that whole situation really kept me here, man. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it did. Yeah. The record is good, uh, and I really hope people pick it up. It's called Parish Lines. Rod Melanson is the artist, and it's really just a snapshot. I mean, the picture that's on the cover, uh, aside from looking like Josh Brolin, in, in, in a, what, is, what kind of field is that? I think it's a bean field. It's a bean field. I can't really tell from the black and white here, but that's when you're from, I'm, I'm from an agricultural area. When you come yeah. from those types of areas, this is what you drive around all the time. Yeah. So putting you out there is a very logical choice. But uh, it's really, you know, a set of vignettes and a set of snapshots of the area where you grew up. And, you know, I'm sure some of it's personal experience and some of it's probably artistic license, but it's captured with a very deft eye and a deft hand. Thanks. Uh, and the perfect, you know, one of the best examples of that I can think of from the record is a track called Feathers which I'd like you to play in a second. But before you cool. play it, um, this is a song that's in the tradition of like the spoken song. There's not yeah. actually a melody. Um, you know, Towns Van Zant would do that a lot. John Prine's been known to do that. You know, uh, it's almost like poetry set to music or uh, like an essay almost. Yeah. You know, what, uh, where did it come from? That was actually probably the, besides Curve Lounge, the only song on the record that's word for word you know, fact. Okay. It's one of the only songs I didn't really have to reach for some kind of story. I mean, I, Kate and me live in a small place. We have a queen-size bed. You know, at that time I wrote that, I was having a lot of doubts about myself. I couldn't really write anything for a while. And there was this cat that lived across the, uh, that actually lived in my complex. And uh, one day I saw him looking up. Well, Kate told me the story about how she saw him just kind of looking up at this tree and she didn't know why he was doing it. And it was because of this bird in the tree. 
And she came back like 30 minutes later, and there he was still sitting there waiting for it. Yeah. And that kind of struck me as like, you know, patience. You know, I chose to do this, and you, you, you need some patience to make it through. Yeah. You know, whatever making it through means. And whenever I get really down and out, I always go back home. And my dreams and my thoughts are always back home. And I had this dream about my grandmother who would always show me these photos she had lined up in the wall, family members, and she'd always explain to me who they were, even though she had already done it, you know, hundreds of times. Almost every time I'd go there, she'd do it. And that gave me comfort, you know. It was it was like my fix of home when that yeah. happened. Yeah. And not too long after all of that is when I wrote the song. Yeah. All right, man. So it's a great tune. I'm really looking forward to hearing this. So let's play this, man. This is Rod Melanson playing the track Feathers from his new, brand new record. Comes out in just about a week and a half, March 4th. You can go see him do the CD release, or the record release, I should say, at The Satellite on March 1st with a bunch of other really great bands. The record's called Parish Lines. The song's called Feathers. Let's hear this. Well, he walks outside and lights up a smoke Takes one puff and begins to choke Well, I guess it's been a while And across the street sits an old tomcat Can't see what it's looking at Must be a bird up in that tree Well, the cat lies down and licks its lips Cause high above success sits Well, ain't that the truth? Well, he walks inside, picks up his guitar Tries to write, but he don't get far This one is worse than the last He thinks Stands in the door where his love lies Sweetest thing neat these old skies How'd I manage that? He wonders Cause out of all the boys, she chose me No great job, no college degree I guess she just has better taste is all They talk about the future and don't it feel good For once in your life to be understood He takes off his boots and lies beside her Together they lie on a queen size bed And on his shoulders she plays her head And he drifts off to dream Well this dream takes place in the south It's back in his grandma's house She says, boy I got something to show you well, this is your great uncle who fought in the war. Don't he look like a movie star? And that sweet little girl there, that's your mama. We had missed her laugh, you had missed her smile. She passed away when he was a child. Together they sit and watch the sun. Wakes with tears in his eyes He grabs a smoke and walks outside He sits right down on the porch He says dreams are for kids That we all know And ain't the time I started to grow Well I guess I just miss home Then across the street came that old tomcat And right by his feet it sat With a mouth full of feathers
Man, very, very nice. Thanks. Very, very nice. Quiet uh, story song with a nice metaphor. You know, you can read a lot into it, and that's the thing. Like, that's the best songs you can take and apply it to something in your life. <laughs> yeah. You know, feeling that commonality with the artist. So uh, my guest tonight, Rod Melanson, you can learn about him a lot of different places, medinariverrecords.com. He's got a page there. Uh, Facebook.com uh, slash Rod.Melanson. Follow him on Twitter at Rod Melanson. Not a lot of Rod Melanson's out there in the world, are there? Probably the only one. Probably the only one. And uh, you do have RodMelanson.com, but it's kind of currently uh, currently kind of on ice, mothballed somewhat. Yeah, we're trying to figure out. I, mean, I, I want to really make a great website and it's yeah. not there yet so yeah. eventually that'll be back so up. you do own it you're master of your domain so mm-hmm. to speak but you got to get some more stuff up there soon um, we mentioned the cd release party coming up at the satellite on march 1st in the evening there and you can there's discounts people can get if they respond to the facebook thing they can get a few dollars off there if they come between eight and nine they can come in flat free. out free yeah or they can play the full 10 bucks uh after 9 p.m so i mean uh, i'll look forward to seeing you guys there um, so who will be your band for this record release party? My band is going to be Ben on bass, Dale Daniel on drums, and Brian on on guitar. Brian He's going to be able Cleveland. to play it. And uh, my buddy Mike Whiteside on keys and guitar. For the most part, it's pretty much everyone who played on the album. Yeah. So, you know, let's go back to like how you started writing, which wasn't that long ago, you said. You kind of came to it somewhat late. Um, how many songs had you written? before you felt like you were comfortable sharing them with people? Was it right out of the gate? Or there's that story that like Brian Adams, you know, who's yeah. million selling artist, whether you think he's cheesy or not, he's very successful. Guilty pleasure, man. Yeah, I, actually, I love Reckless. I think it's a fantastic record. But uh, there's a story, you know, he was a big writer and he said he wrote a couple hundred songs before he was even comfortable mm-hmm. sharing them with anybody. What was it for you? I think it was, I think the first song I wrote I, uh, like I said about that acting class, I wrote a song and then I showed it to my buddy who I was in the acting class with and he said he actually thought it was good. So that's what kept me writing. I mean, if he would have said it wasn't good, then I'd be like, hey, he's right. I don't know why I'm even trying to do this. I'm not a songwriter. Yeah. So basically the first one is the one I, I gave the test run with. Okay. And what's your process? I mean, are you the kind of guy that scribbles on napkins? Are you the kind of guy that wakes up with a start? in the middle of the night and scribble something on your forearm? Are you, you know, like there's the Ray Bradbury way. I I love Mm -hmm. Ray Bradbury. His whole thing, he would get up every single morning and the first thing he would do is sit down at his typewriter and just write for 30 minutes. It didn't matter what came out if he was typing the P key over and over again for 30 minutes. But, you know, and that's how he got such great stuff is that he got it right out of the gate. Um, You know, what's the process for you? Well, it's it's so random, man, when it strikes me. I mean, I, I'll go months without writing a song. If, if I s- try to force it out, it's not going to be good. You know, I... And I've done that a couple times where I felt, like, frustrated. It's like, man, I haven't wrote anything in a while. I need to sit down and write, and then it's not good. I just kind of just know when I'm going to be able to sit down and write a song, you know, front to back. Yeah. Because there's a lot of writers that say if you don't write every day, you're not a true writer, and I don't believe that. Everyone has their own process, you yeah. know. And mine is just really sporadic. Yeah. It'll start with maybe an image in my head, and then I try to just, I run with that. You know, a theme in my head, and I run with that. Or it'll be something that happens in my life, you know. This album was dedicated to my buddy Pete Johnson. He's my best friend. died two years ago. Mm. So, of course, I knew I was going to write about him. But I had to let it sit. 
if I try to rush into it, like I want to write a song for my buddy Pete, let me sit down and do it. It's not going to be good. It took yeah. a year. Yeah. Everybody's got their own way of going about it. I mean, people like to get hung up on rules and people like to get hung up on putting everybody and everything in a box or a bin or a category. Yeah. But, you know, humans are, you know, even though we live in a linear fashion, you mm-hmm. know, from yesterday to today to tomorrow, you know, we exist, we're very nonlinear. You yeah. know, we do what we do and, and, and we live in the age of distraction. You know, I try, I just think of the idea of like cleaning my apartment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I start on one thing and I focus on one thing and okay, I'm going to alphabetize my records. But then while I'm doing that, I think, oh, look at that. There's, you know, oh, there's the dog stuff. I got to put salad yeah. stuff away. And then I get into that and then, then that leads me into the kitchen. And once I'm in the kitchen, it's like, oh my God, look at all these dishes, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it just one thing leads to another. And I, I find it hard, you know, I'm, I'm just as inspired as I ever was to write. Yeah. And I'm always jotting little things down, but it's getting the completion like getting to that's maybe what I think I need to be more methodical about is getting those ideas and like sitting down and saying, okay, I've already got the raw materials. Yeah. I just have to assemble them, you know? Yeah. That's the hardest part. Do you, um, you said you keep a journal. You mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. Do you also like just record things? Do you, do you know music? Can you write out music or just write oh, out chords? Or? Yeah. I can't write music. Most of the, the chords I play, I know the hand formations, but that's what Brian and Ben are for. I'll ask okay. them, what is this? <laughs> But I record everything on my, uh, like, demos and stuff on my phone. Yeah. And I'll send them to, like, I don't know, my close friends just to, like, see what they think. Yeah. The, I mean, the ability to do that has changed so dramatically yeah, in great. just a few short years. I mean, I used to carry around a micro cassette recorder everywhere I went. I kind of wish I, it was still like that. Yeah. <laughs> a little more romantic to do that. Oh, yeah. You know, and then, but the big problem is now when your phone crashes, you're not just losing your contacts. You lose a lot of valuable yeah. information, so... Back that stuff up, folks. You yeah. too, Rod. Everybody. How about another tune, man? What's next for us here? Uh, this is a new song I wrote. It's called Grace. I swear I wrote it last week. Have you written a lot since uh, the record got completed? No, this is the first song I wrote in six months. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. For me, it's always really fertile. Like that period, as soon as the record's done, like the pressure's off, because those are usually songs that I started writing couple years ago yeah so by the time the record you know we've worked through all those things and i don't have time to write when i'm doing a record as soon as the record's done i like you know i like have a pint and then i sit around for a few days yeah and then like the songs just start pouring out again and i've had situations where i've played songs that i thought were the best work i'd ever done at the cd release party for the last record yeah but then that song doesn't see the light of day for on a record for a couple years because it's part of that next cycle yeah anyway so let's hear this man brand new tune from rod melanson here on independence day Grace, I swear I feel it coming on again All the time I spend Thinking about a place I left so long ago A white house on a dirt road And that's where we'd go And when your daddy left town well, I swore I'd never leave And I can see you in the hallway In that red dress my mama gave to you But my memory is fading Like a song that I forgot the words to But I can see you through the screen door You're standing there 
Grace, I swear Grace, I swear Midnight on a Friday Swore I'd never stay Now I got a place in Homer And I still wait for you But time don't work right And just the other night I saw her never-ending highway And it reminded me of you And I can see you in the hallway in that red dress my mama gave to you But my memory's fading Like a song that I forgot the words to But I can see you through the screen door You're standing there Grace, I swear Grace, I swear My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. You can learn everything you need to know about me and the show at indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com. Please follow us on Twitter at Indepday and like us on the Facebook page, man. Those likes do really mean something. We're trying to build something with this radio show. We've had a lot of great support. Just had our 100th show not so long ago, and uh, you know your support is very much appreciated. We're very, very happy to keep doing this. So uh, my guest tonight, Rod Melanson. You can learn about him at medinariverrecords.com, also facebook.com slash rod.melanson. But he's sitting here with me in our studio here at Independence Day right now. Brand new tune. Brand new yep. tune. Is there a grace or is that artistic license? Uh, basically, it's, it's a song about, I mean, you know, I don't mean to be depressing, but I, I've had like three great friends pass away the last two years. Man. And last month there was a girl named Mia Tron who I grew up with who passed away. So this was kind of my tribute to her in a sense. Okay. Well, first of all, man, I'm and I'm very sorry to hear that. I mean, that's yeah. you know, these things affect us. Yeah, they do. It's terrible. Um we forget, you know, <laughs> to reference from before, we live in this age of distraction. We're like living in the moment now. Yeah. texting and emails and everything happening instantaneously and we get what we want you know we want chinese food and we get it yeah. in 20 minutes and you know it, it, we want to fly home it takes four hours you yeah know, you used to have to drive um these little things like mortality we take for granted the fact yeah. that our people our friends and loved ones and dogs will always be there but yeah. they won't so man i mean not to get all heavy on everybody but man no please I've I've been, i live for heavy <laughs> i've been telling everybody man tell the people that you love that you love them yeah that's the most important thing you could possibly do it sounds so simple it's true you know? uh, but do it man because i've had a lot of sickness in my life recently yeah. as well um so you know appreciate appreciate yeah. uh, and i'm glad to see you know people writing those things into songs because it's a, it's a way to immortalize that's exactly them. what it is yeah you know and it's that's a way to I remember yeah that's Be why i do it and what a better way to immortalize somebody than with a living art form like a song. Yeah. Because that's one thing I love about music. Like a painting is a painting. You paint it, there it is. It's done. Yeah. 
hang it in the museum, throw it away, whatever you're going to do. The painting is, is, is a static thing. Music, theater, these are living, breathing things. Every time you play that song, it's alive. Yeah. You know, so cool. We're getting all heavy, man. No, I love it, man. This is... <laughs> <laughs> getting into the good stuff, I yeah, guess, huh? This is my life for the most part. Uh, and then, you know, recently, you know, you made another big change in your life not too long ago. You decided to give up drinking. Yeah. Talk just a little bit about that. Well, it's been six months. I went a whole year without it. Uh, then I started again, and of course I had to stop again. It's just... It's one of those things that I kind of rely on for stability because my mind's all over the place. You know, ever since I was about 12 or 13 years old, my gears grind so fast, you know. And it's great for when I focus and I write and, you know, it's just, I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. You know. It can really, it can really be, for a lot of people, it can take you down a bad road. Yeah. You know, and then when that bad road starts to affect those people you love and the art that you love to make, you know, hard choices have to be made. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm happy to see. I mean, you look great. You well, know, thanks, you man. Look, you look, uh, you know, happy and healthy. Thanks, and, man. Yeah. Uh, it was and, a necessity, you know. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know if I would be, you know, writing, recording. I don't know if all that stuff would have happened if I would have kept drinking because I don't think I would have really would have cared about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, what's amazing to me is there's these people who, uh, functional alcoholics or functional drug addicts who have had these long careers because that's one sad thing about the music business is that can it can actually exacerbate those types of addiction issues oh, yeah. because we it's an it's a it's a it's an industry where I mean where else do you show up at work and there's a a plastic tray full of beers. Of course. You know, and, uh, you know, or, or, you know, drugs, whatever it's going to be, is kind of part of it. It's kind of woven into it, you know. And then you hear about people like, you know, like Peter Gabriel, who I understand is a teetotaler, never really been into drugs or alcohol yeah. at all. Or Chris Isaac. Is Same not, with Dwight Yoakam. He's not a drinker. Dwight Yoakam also, you know, uh, doesn't drink. Um, and they, but they're the exception rather than the rule. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're going to go that route, uh, I mean, I think it's beneficial. Stevie Ray Vaughan is a big example of that. Yeah. Um, you know, one my little piece of musical fame. I saw Stevie Ray Vaughan's last show the, yeah, night, the wow. night the night that he died. Wow. In East Troy, Wisconsin, and I saw him before he cleaned up, and he was astoundingly, ridiculously good. And I saw him after he cleaned up, and he was even better. Yeah. You know, and you know, and if it's if it's a guy like that where he was boozing pretty hard or using drugs pretty hard. If it's going to make your life that much better, why not do it, you know? Yeah. Anyway. No, I agree. It's tough, man, but it's worth it. Um, you know, one thing I want to talk about a little bit with you as well is that, you know, you're a fairly young guy. Yeah. You know, kind of your mid-20s here. Um, but your music sounds like it's written by someone older than you are. You know, it's kind of, and it's also stylistically kind of anachronistic. Yeah. You know, it seems to be set in a time that could be any time. You know, these songs that are on this record, Parish... Uh, Jeez, parish lines. You know, they could have been set in the 50s yeah. or the 40s or the 30s or the 60s. Um, you know, were you, did you grow up listening to music that was from a different time? Or, I mean, was there a conscious point where you decided, you know, I'm going to write about these themes or write about these types of songs that could be set at any time? Or, you know, how did, how did it become to be anachronistic in such a cool way? I think it's just my love for that time period and the way things worked and the way people lived and the incidents that took place. That's always been an interesting time for me. You know, 70s and before, they're just 
most of the films I love, my favorite films take place in that time. My favorite books take place in that time. And I just always loved hearing about that time. My papa would talk about it. My mom would talk about it. It just always seemed like a much more interesting time to live than now. And I could be wrong, but... Yeah, yeah. Well, you look back and, you know, the, the past is interesting because there's, there's been studies that say we, were ten, we tend to remember the happy times more yeah. than the bad times. It's like a survival function of the human brain. Um, so it's easy. I mean, I'm a very nostalgic guy. Yeah. So it's easy to romanticize these things that have happened in the past. Uh, but there are great stories there, and we all have memories as humans, and what we're trying to do as artists is find that common thread in the human condition. So you've got this, this new records coming out very, very soon. Um, you got a couple records under your belt already. The music thing seems to be going pretty well for you. Yeah. Um, do you have like a big dream in music, or do you have like a, a, a major goal, or you just is it? Are you taking it kind of step by step as it kind of as providence leads you down the road, or yeah. is the goal to say, okay, I want to I want to do a national tour, or I want to open for so and so, or I want to headline a tour, or mm-hmm. like where do you see yourself going with this? My goal is to go on tour, probably opening for someone. I mean, at the publishing company I'm with, it's all a lot of great artists that I love, and I that's where I kind of see myself going this year is eventually opening for one of those guys. As far as my goal, you know, as far as life goal, it's just to be able to have a house for Kate and me. You know, it doesn't have to be big, just to have a house and to play music and get, you know, go on tour and just be comfortable, man. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but Lord knows I'm going to try to make it happen. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, it's a real goal. Yeah. You know, it's not, uh, you know, it's not like you, a lot of people come out of the gate and say, man, I want to be the biggest so-and-so in such style. Yeah. I want to be the best this or that. Yeah. Um, and one thing I found as you get older is, man, is those, those uh, black and white concrete things yeah. become a lot more gray and you have to you know start figuring out as you live your life like well wait a minute you know it's nothing is black and white it's, yeah it's you know it's pick a goal that you can I mean pick a concrete goal but then you have to it has to be kind of a little bit malleable no you're right you know i'd like to have a house too <laughs> maybe we can live <laughs> well next. this place is great oh thanks it's big enough for me and julie and Sally. yeah yeah it's that's per- this is perfect for me it's big. we've got enough time for about one more tune man why don't you what have you got left for us here Oh, this is called Cushing Avenue. And tell me a little bit about this. This is the main street in the town I grew up in. Every Friday night, get in your truck and drive in circles. Mean mug each other and try to pick up girls. And that's what this song's about. I love it that there are still places that do that, man. Oh, yeah. I love to hear about that. Anyway, Rod Melanson is my artist on Independence Day. One last track from him. The girls hang out on the side of Cushing Avenue The boys drive around it while the gas is through The girls talk to a flaunt and think they're good at it The boys pop the collars, they let them in jackets how your head on my shoulder in the back of that car Driving us down the boulevard Swore I'd never leave you alone 
But 18 came and I left that day Took your love and I ran away Well, I wonder if you're still around Back in my old hometown Well, I'd spend my summer working at the mill And I'd make just enough flour to get my fill And there was gonna be a fight out on that gravel road I'm watching two boys stare each other down, it always got old Well, Pete and me, we'd smoke outside of his window Just two kids from the south with nowhere to go We'd say bars like us, we were born to run We'd look up at the stars, talk about how one day we'd be one Oh, your head on my shoulder in the back of that car Driving us down the boulevard Swore I'd never leave you alone But 18 came and I left that day Took your love and I ran away Well, I wonder if you're still around Back in my old hometown Back in my hometown Back in my hometown Back in my hometown All right, man, I love these, uh, these nostalgic songs, man. Thanks. <laughs> As uh, James Earl Jones says from Field of Dreams, the memories are so thick I have to brush them away from my face, man. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Very, that's very true. cool. I love hearing that there are places where you can go and still go like cruising. Still there, man. In my parents' hometown or my dad's hometown in, in uh, northern Alabama, they call it Cutting the Square. Oh, that's cool, yeah. Because the uh, the county seat is their little town and there's one little square. Now, all the businesses all have been closed down because Walmart went in. Yeah, yeah. But they're all still there and the county seat is still in the middle. And you'd go down and they, you know, you guys would go in their trucks and just go all the way around the square. It was called cutting the square and then drive out to the Piggly Wiggly. Yeah, we got Piggly Wiggly. Park in the parking lot. Hey, y'all want to go cut the square? And they drive yep. back around, do the square again. I love hearing stuff like that, man. So fun as a kid. The stakes were so high on Friday nights. Yeah, it seemed like it was the, <laughs> the big the big shindig, man. Yeah. So, man, thank you so much for taking time, coming out here, talking to us. We're very much looking forward to having everybody pick up your record, Parish Lines. Uh, is it going to be in stores or website or it's both? Gonna, or? It's, it's going to be on iTunes and all those online stores. And, okay. you know, eventually we'll have the vinyl. And they can order the hard copies on MedinaRiverRecords.com. Okay. Very nice. 
They will be available at the CD release party, which is going to be March the 1st at the Satellite. I hope to see everybody there. The record will be officially released because everybody knows records come out on Tuesdays. Yeah. So the actual record will come out on March the 4th. So come on down to the Satellite on March yeah. 1st. See Rod Melanson and his band. Uh, so thanks, man. I really, really appreciate it once again. Thank you. Thanks to Rod Melanson, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentino Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Smith Society. For Independence Day, I'm Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another. <laughs>